0: It's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, I just want you to know I really like you. Um, just thought you should know. Uh, if you're joining us today, uh, however, and you're looking for a warm, fuzzy feeling, <clears throat> I actually have terrible news for you. Uh, you're not going to get it. Uh, this passage that we're about to dive into, it's a really tough one especially for us here in St. Louis, for us as Americans, for our culture, uh, you're not going to like it. We're in Luke chapter 16, and we're talking about money. We're talking about hell. We're talking about your view towards others and and our own personal selfishness. And the reason we're doing this is because Jesus uh, talks about it. In fact, Jesus talks about hell uh, more than any other author in the Bible combined. And he has a way of comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. So Jesus likes to poke at us uh, in such a way that we would become uncomfortable in following him. So, if you came here today looking to stay comfortable, and I just I need to let you know you're in the wrong spot. And uh, we're going to do something that I have never done before. Uh, I don't, to my knowledge, we've never done this as a church before, but I'm actually going to give you a pass. So if you would like to stay comfortable and not be poked by Jesus, you can leave right now, okay? I, this, is, this is a one-time offer. It's not going to happen next week. Uh, but this week only, uh, you have the option to log off, Walk out, not be bothered by Jesus. Now's your chance, all right? I've got a timer in my head. Going once. Twice, all right, all right. I can't tell if you guys are either like curious or really brave or, you know, like what's going to happen. And here's something that's really interesting. As I was diving into this passage, the story that we're looking at today, there were crowds of people that are around Jesus that never walked out, and yet at the same time, never bought in. They, they were always around, but their hearts were hardened. They had critical spirits. Their motivation for being near Jesus was not to follow him, but to critique and analyze. And so, yes, they were curious about what he was saying, but they never followed And so Jesus would say things like, He who has ears, let him hear. You hear that over and over because it is possible to be in the room and not to follow Jesus. And this is one of those passages where in Luke chapter 16, and the context is looking at the hard hearts that some people had in that crowd. Verse 13 says this, and you might be familiar with this, this is the context for it. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then verse 14, I don't know if you've, if you've paid attention to this, but it says, The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And I love the word sneer. Uh, it's a great word because you can picture that. They heard all of this, but they loved money, and they were sneering at Jesus. And so this passage, that we're the parable that we're going to look at today, comes from this context where the crowds, the people in, in the crowds, have, have hardened hearts. And we say that a lot in church, but what, what we're really diving into is that their motivation, their motivation is off. It's not one of God, even though they're around God people and they have a lot of God language. Their motivation is different. And so let me ask you this question as we just get started. This is still introduction stuff. What are you building your life on? How are you making your plans? When you go home today and you're thinking about the rest of your week and you're planning out your life, when you're thinking of your retirement, when you're thinking of the way you will choose your school district, the way you will choose your job, the way that you're going to choose your pathway, is it built on the solid rock of Jesus? Or is it shifting sand of the world? It really comes down, it's that simple. As we look at our lives, are we serving God? or Are we serving lowercase g, God, which could be money? which could be success, power, some sort of idol. And Jesus is really good at poking at this and confronting it. And, and I'll just say, just because you didn't walk out, that was kind of a joke, you can't tell, I'm, I'm smiling under this. But just because you didn't walk out doesn't mean that, that we're all on board. Because we see it with the Pharisees. We see it with the crowds following Jesus. Here's here's our parable. Jesus teaches a series of parables, and this is the last one that he gets to in this section. It says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus who was covered in sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And in some translations, uh, they'll add the following, that after Jesus said this last line, he took his microphone and dropped it on the ground and said, Son of God, out. Little mic drop humor there. Uh, this, this story that we're in breaks down in a few different sections. And so we're going we're gonna to look at it in three different sections today. The first part that we're at is, is really the first two lines. And it says, there's a rich man... And there's a poor man, we get that. Uh, one is living a life of luxury. He's dressed in purple, fine linen, has, uh, has great parties. And then there's a gate that's separating him from this beggar. And there's dogs licking his sores. In this, in this first section, there's something that stands out to us that, that actually doesn't happen in any other parable that Jesus gives. And I don't know if you, if you caught this, but I think, I think it's fascinating that Jesus actually gives a name. All the other parables that, that he, he would tell throughout the New Testament, any of the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he, he talks in generalities when it comes to his parables. He talks about a farmer. He talks about a property owner or a teacher. But here he gets specific. He says, there's... There's a man named Lazarus. And if you, if you can imagine being in the crowd at that time, you would almost expect him to give a name to the rich man, the powerful one, the one that everybody probably knew of, right? But Jesus doesn't do this. He's got this upside-down kingdom, this worldview that we're constantly challenged by. And what he does is he says, that blind beggar, the one who is starving, starving, His name is Lazarus. Do you understand the implications for us? We are called to go out of this building, to go into the world and to bring good news to the world. There there are astounding statistics when it comes to poverty. And, And I know one of our biggest struggles here in the United States is that we're not confronted with it on a daily basis in the neighborhood that you live in, there's a good chance that you don't have a Lazarus outside your gate. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist in the world. And the challenge that I've received and that I want to pass on to you is that we live in one of the richest countries in the world and therefore, when the Bible talks about riches, when the Bible is talking about those who have wealth, the Bible's talking about us. And Jesus says some things that are really hard for us to hear. There's a passage in Matthew where where a man comes up and he says, Hey, I'm I'm a good guy. I've done all the things that God has commanded. I've followed all the laws. Jesus says, Well, great. Then sell all your possessions, give them to the poor. And the man walks away sad. And then Jesus says, It is hard for you to be rich and to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's speaking to us, all of us. Because when you have much, it's really hard to give up all of that. And it becomes possible to serve both God and money, at least in our minds. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not. I had a group down last week, so at Love the Lou, we have we constantly have groups coming in. And so yesterday, we had a men's group from O'Fallon, Illinois, come in. And they were really nice guys. So I'm not trying to bash them or anything like that. Uh, but they were asking all kinds of questions about the neighborhood. And I love talking about our neighbors in North St. Louis. And one of the questions that they asked were, how do you get kids to get involved with all the things that you're doing? And it, you remember yesterday, it was, it was raining the entire morning. And we had, we had 100% attendance of 14 year olds who were who were coming for orientation for all the things that we're going to be doing with with our with our program and these guys from O'Fallon Illinois were amazed they were like how do you get them involved like what what are you you paying them like are you giving them pizza like like yeah yeah we'll we'll do a lot of that but also you got to keep in mind that in the city there's no Little League there's no YMCA there's no Boys and Girls Club there's no extracurricular activities our high school that's closest to a Sumner, they they don't even have a football team. Like, there's no no after-school programming that's happening. If Love the Loose ceases to exist, these kids have nothing. So they're willing to show up on a rainy Saturday morning at 9 in the morning and pull weeds, and we were feeding worms to chickens, which is awesome. Who doesn't want to do that? But they're willing to do that because they've got nothing else. Do you understand? Like, this is... This is blowing me away recently. When you are poor, you are near God because you recognize any blessing as from Him. It's good news. And you hold on to it. And you don't have anything fighting against that. Because it's God or it's death. It's God's way which is good, and it might be hard. might be pulling some weeds in the rain, but it's better than all my other options. When you are rich, all of the voices begin to pull you away from the true master. God in his mercy is telling us this story. Jesus is giving us this story Because he's saying, I want you to be able to identify with the poor. How cool would it be if God knew my name, Lazarus. And I just wasn't some rich guy. That's where he's getting. Jesus gives him a name and it gives us an example. He doesn't name the rich man. He names Lazarus. And I was thinking about this. For, for our week, like, who are the Lazaruses that that even exist here in the United States? And I've got, there's a group of guys that, that are in the city currently that I think actually kind of fit the bill. They they walk around my neighborhood, they wear hoodies a lot, uh, so it's kind of a thing in the city. They wear the hood hoodies and they, they will sag their pants. Um, they usually, they're usually smoking something or they smell like smoke, and so you can kind of sense that they're coming down the way. They got their earbuds in. They're tuned out of the world. And these are guys that, that aren't allowed into certain stores in the mall. They're not allowed into certain neighborhoods that are gated. They, they wouldn't dare show up at a church building. Even in, even in the city where you, where you have black churches, there's kind of a dress code, and they don't fit that mold. And so they just kind of are lost. I can give you name after name after name of these guys that are walking around the city lost, but I think that we could compare that to Lazarus. And It's a big deal whenever we begin to look at others and we begin to look at our heart and we begin to examine our lives because Jesus has a way of paying attention to those that the world has tossed out. He has a way of paying attention to the poor, to the least of these, to the marginalized. And we need to, we need to get a hold of that and we need to learn some names. Um, I've, been, I've been really challenged recently. So this is a little bit of confession for you guys. I've been challenged recently with um, how I view my neighbors and how I'm viewing the poor. And there's part of me that 10 years ago when we moved into the city, there is part of me that actually believed that I was going to be the answer. Now, obviously, Jesus is going to do it, but that he's going to use me to preach the good news, and then everybody's going to come to my thing, or whatever that is. So what I'm seeing is that's actually not going to happen. Um, God is still going to use me, and that's going to be great, but there are some people in the city that have incredible faith that God wants to give a voice to. Um... My neighbor Janice, six months ago, she had somebody break into her house and walk around her house. She's 65, lives by herself, doesn't have a dog, doesn't have a gun. Uh, she was asleep, and they walked around her house with a gun, uh, found her car keys, left, stole her car, and she woke up and checked her ring the next morning as she discovered her car was gone. and was freaked out, and she called me, and she's like, Lucas, I am 65 years old. I cannot do this. I can't, I can't have this, and she's got a son that lives in Belleville, Illinois, and so she went and stayed with him for, for the night, and then she prayed about it, and she's like, you know what, as I was praying about it, I realized that God protected me in that moment, that even though it was really scary, I slept through the whole thing, and if he can protect me from that, what else can he do? So she moved back. A week later, the guy came back, went through a different window, stole her rental car. Same guy. Police got caught up to him at some point. And it was the same scenario that played out. Janice came and she's like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm I'm all, all alone. I don't know that I can trust that God is going to protect me, and yet I slept through it. Nothing bad happened. I actually got my car back whenever he traded in for the rental. And I just sat back, guys, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. Do you understand the faith that this woman has? I need Janice in my life. If I don't have Janice in my life, then I'm missing an aspect of the church that I desperately need. A lot of times we read this story and we think, like, oh, we should, we, you know, and I even said it, like, we need to be challenged with our comfort. But let me, let me flip this around just a little bit. We need Lazarus in our life because it's going to challenge our faith. This right here in West County, this, this area of St. Louis, is a huge mission field because of all of the competing idols that, that are all around us. This is... This is intense right in here, so much so that, that Jesus is going to say to us, man, it is hard. It is hard to do that and enter the kingdom of heaven. Hard to be in this, in this neighborhood. Hard to be in these communities and have the kingdom of heaven living into you. And I know this is a little bit of a stretch, but I could imagine Jesus saying, I would rather you go be down near Janus than to be Separated by some invisible gate. Do you understand that, that we need the poor in our lives? Not just, not just the other way around where the poor need us because of our money. We need the poor because there is a faithfulness that is there that is going to challenge us day after day. So couple more thoughts on this. Like, we're really, like, at the very beginning of this section, so I need to check my time. <laughs> we haven't even got to hell. You guys, this is, the, this is the easy part. Okay, so I just wrote down just a couple notes. Like, here's a way to gauge our heart, okay? If you're like, man, I don't know where my heart is. I don't know where my motivation is. We, if you're still saying things like the poor, then I want to challenge you to find a Lazarus. We need to go from serving the poor, serving the homeless, to serving Lazarus, to serving Jennifer, to serving Diabre, to serving Damante, to serving Jamal. You know what I mean? Like we need to learn names. So if you do not have a Lazarus here today, I'm going to challenge you to get one. And I'm going to challenge you to go from a mindset that's like, okay, let me find a poor person and give them a bunch of stuff, to Let me find a poor person learn their name so much so that they're no longer poor in my eyes. Does that make sense? They're no longer that poor, pitiful person. That's that's Janice. That's Lazarus. That's Jennifer. That's Miss Sharon. I need them in my life. If I don't have them in my life, I I could fall away. I, I need them to challenge me. Let me, let me keep going. This is all about our heart being surrendered. In verse 24, we hear the rich man say, he called to Abraham, he says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. You guys, this is, this is so important for us to understand because, because eternal life is at stake, is how Jesus is saying and, and, and the rich man ends up condemned. And Jesus takes a basic understanding of the afterlife that they're going to have and says, yeah, there's a heaven, there's a hell. And in this story, the two could see each other and they could talk to each other. And, and Hades is definitely full of torment. There's, there's these flames that it talks about. A lot of commentators will say, yeah, that's, that's, a meta, that's more of a metaphor, but, but there's a judgment scene. That there's this, this, this place where you want to be with Father Abraham, and there's a place where you don't want to be. And the, <laughs> the surprising part that I've found in here is that just like Matthew 25, where it's the sheep and the goats, this, this parable... Uh, We're not given any information on how many swear words the rich man used. Uh, We're not given any information on what kind of parties he threw, what kind of debauchery he was involved in. The only thing we're given in this parable is how he looked at Lazarus. That's it. And so there are eternal ramifications that Jesus is pointing out here. Notice what is not said in verse 24. Can we pull that back up again, Elliot? Thanks, you're on it. Notice what is not said here. He's calling out to Abraham, and he does not say, hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I shouldn't have treated him that way. He doesn't. There's no admission of guilt. There's no apology. There's no repentance. He is unchanged. His identity is completely the same as it was when he was alive here on earth. Some of us uh, might view hell as like like sinners climbing, you know, up the wall and screaming and, and saying, like, oh God, please save me. But that's not what is happening here. He doesn't even ask to get out of hell. See this? All he asks is, did you catch this? Hey, send the beggar guy down here with some water because I'm hurting. That's not a changed heart. He's exactly the same. And so there, I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says, there's only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. I was really challenged by this this week because I think that most of my life I've viewed, I've been confused by hell in such a way that like, like maybe God's like really angry. He's just looking to send people there. But I don't think that's what it is. There's a really good sermon by Tim Keller. Uh, If you just, if you just Google Tim Keller and hell, something will pop up. I I don't know what exactly it is. (laughs) But he's got a really, like I loved his perspective because he's, he's doing a lot of this thought of like, the idea of hell is you choosing your God and then that playing out. And guys, if you choose money, shifting sand it's not going to work if you choose power and success here on this earth if you choose to ignore the poor and you don't recognize why you might be blessed it's not going to work it will not work and so i i think the sermon is actually called isn't the god of christianity an angry judge And the conclusion that Tim Keller gets to is that no, he's not. Hell isn't imposed by God on others as a way of vengeance, but rather it's just your freely chosen identity based on something besides God going on forever. Let me repeat that one more time just because I think it it has really helped bring me clarity. Hell isn't imposed by God on others as a way of vengeance rather it's just your freely chosen identity based on something besides god and it goes on forever (laughs) this man was unchanged he was unrepentant and therefore he was exactly like the pharisees there's a conclusion part where he kind of insinuates that maybe while he was alive, he didn't get all the information. And so he he says to Abraham, he says, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And this is for us. You can actually put yourself in the place of the five brothers, and it's a little ironic because Jesus is telling us this story and giving us kind of this glimpse of of the eternal. And let me ask this question right here. Why in this story did Abraham say that a raised dead man would not change the hearts of his brothers. Why, why, did, why would that not be possible? Can you imagine that? For just a second, like if Abraham said, yeah, let's do that. If dead man Lazarus comes into our midst and we had seen him at that gate, we knew his name, or we knew of him at least, and we see him and he comes back with a message and says, hey, I've come from beyond the grave to let you know there's a bad place. And your brother <laughs> wants me to tell you that you shouldn't go there. Uh, and it's bad. Like why wouldn't that change their hearts? I'll tell you why. And and it's you please if you haven't listened to anything up till now if you've kind of tuned out don't tune out. Your heart will not be changed by fear. So if a dead man comes in here and we all freak out because there's a hell out there and he's coming and saying don't go to hell, that's never going to change our heart. It's not. At best, it just gets us giving out of guilt, okay, which is a whole nother sermon, but we we end up saying, okay, I got to do a bunch of things, and our heart stays the same. We still continue to worship money. We just give our money away so that we don't feel as guilty, Fear of hell will never change the fundamental structures of the heart. What changes is love. To understand that Jesus actually rose from the dead, that he is the resurrection and the life. And the reason that Jesus went to the cross, the reason that he made that sacrifice, was because he loved you. You guys, I was... This week, and I wish I wish you had the opportunity that I did, because I was able to like spend an entire week thinking about the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. And I would challenge you if you're gonna meditate on anything, if you're gonna pray about anything, pray about that. What kind of sacrifice is that? What kind of debt did he pay? Jesus is on the cross and he's hanging there and he starts crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the Apostles' Creed, it says that Jesus actually at that point, is is descending into hell. He's not only dying a physical death, but there's a spiritual death that's happening. He's he's understanding to the fullest extent, something that we'll never understand, what it's like to be separated from God. And so he's agonizing on the cross, crushed completely, beyond anything we could ever understand. Then he raises from the dead, defeats death, has the keys of hell. He has all of the victory. And the reason he did all of that was because he loved us. It's like, it's the biggest debt that could ever be paid. And when we begin to understand that, it changes our hearts. Some of you, I don't know who, but some of you, and I'm not joking around, Like, you need to sell your stuff and give it to the poor. Because Jesus is saying that to us. Some of you need to, to dive deeper into what that sacrifice is so that you can understand your calling more in this mission field right here. Guys, when we encounter Jesus, it changes everything in a radical way. And he's not messing around with, with pithy little stories about a good place and a bad place. There's going to be a judgment. I would love for you to understand why he chose life for you. It's out of that love. I got one last story, and this was something that I thought was really cool that happened this week, and it did not start off cool. My son Isaiah is on a 10-year-old baseball team. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that the way that this works at this age is that after this season, they will skip straight to the major leagues. So it's like one of these things where, where uh, the coaches are, how you say, uh, extremely intense uh, and like, like this is everything, all right? So Thursday night is our practice and, you know, I like my son and I want him to... Succeed. I don't know if he's going to play for the Cardinals, but at least you know the the Yankees or something. You know, we'll get there. So we're going. We're on the way to practice, and we're hustling. You know, we're we're a little late, and the coaches they're all about being on time. They're all about character building, and I'm I'm all about wanting to impress them. You know, so 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 I uh, it, it's not a surprise that the car has a flat tire. Um, on 141 in Woods Mill, and I'm on, the, I'm on the side of the road. No big deal, you know? Like, at first, I was running a little late, so I'll just call them, I'll explain. Well, I had accidentally deleted the number. And y- maybe you can feel where this is going. I don't know if you've had this situation, but, like, it's just going to snowball really quickly, right? And I, and so I had deleted the number, and ah, don't have any way of getting a hold of my text, my wife, I'm looking at my phone, and the battery is just like going down, I'm like, this is not gonna be good. So I, she doesn't have the number either. So we're just stuck. You know what, he'll make the majors next year or something. Like, we'll worry about that later. So I get into my car, I'm pulling out the spare tire. Well, it takes a special, uh, and my car is just filthy by the way. There's, I should have every possible thing in there, but I don't have the right jack and the right tire iron for some reason. I do have a jack and a tire iron, it's just the wrong one. So I can't get the spare tire done. It just so happens that a guy pulls up. He's got a flat tire. How fortuitous. <laughs> Here we are. We're changing our flats together. We're borrowing tools. It was wonderful. I get four of the lug nuts off of the tire, and the fifth one, and I'm not even really paying attention, the fifth one just starts spinning, and it gets stripped. And I, I knew it like... 10 seconds too late and it was like that feeling of oh this is not going to end well at that point isaiah says dad i've got to go to the bathroom (laughs) at that point i realize i do too and i'm like oh my this is really not going to end well you know so we just scrap it all i give the guy his tools back i'm like hey we're we're out like you know we start walking i don't even know where we're walking it's somewhere around there we find a hot dog stand, a uh, little store, and they let us use the bathroom, finally, after passing all these, these places that were, that were closed. I was calling on my phone the whole trip there, um, finally got a hold of AAA, but I'm not a member, and so I was like, oh, that's not working, and still the battery life is going down. I get back, and this is the clincher, I get back and the, um, the roadside assistance is there, and they're putting stickers on the vehicle, and flags, uh, you know, assisting. Uh, and I was just done. And and I gotta say that this is what my neighbors feel like. This is what poverty feels like. It's like you're you're treading water, and something happens, and you start sinking, and you become desperate. And then the thing that you were trying to fix actually gets replaced with something else and something else and something else. And then you're just done. And it's depressing and it's demoralizing and it's crushing. And all the while, hundreds of cars are passing me by. No one's stopping. Guys, this week, you're going to be one of those cars. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're going to be one of those cars, and I want you to have eyes to see. Whether it's a person on the side of the road, whether it's a beggar at, at a gate, you're going to have the opportunity to take what God has given you and say, nope, I'm giving that away. It is not my time. It's not my money. It's not even my life. It's His. You understand? You understand? And the reason you would do that is because he went to the cross for you. He sacrificed everything for you so that you could actually have this kind of example, this kind of life. Let me tell you how this story ends. I text Doug, I'm one bar of service left, you know, like one, one 10% battery life. Doug gives me Kurt Yedke's number, and Kurt took care of everything. Superman's this, this, I mean, just and and he's not going to brag but I'll brag on him guys what if what if the church saw it their, it was their job to take their talents and their treasure and their time and all of the things that we have as people and say where is the need and and it's not just kurt's job all of us get to do that. I can't tell you the feeling that, that Isaiah and I had as soon as we got a hold of him and we knew like, yeah, it's going to be okay. And that is the same feeling that my neighbors get to have, that those that are in, in third world countries get to have. Not when, not when they're showing up to the building, but when the church is leaving the building and getting to know names. That's what gets to happen. As I'm going to pray And I'm going to ask Jesus to give us more of those opportunities. Let's pray. God, I do not want us to be fearful of all of the judgment and and stories about hell that we see. Instead, I want us to be challenged by your example and your love. God, you are so good. You're so good. And and so I'm praying that we would never serve anything that is not you. That we would never chase down a lowercase g, God. But if we do, God, I pray that our hearts, even right now, would turn to you. We would be full of repentance. So that, that our eternal life gets to be with you. I thank you, Jesus for everything that you have done for your example. And we pray this in your name. Amen.